0: Welcome back everybody to another Basement Binge episode that I'm very very excited about. If you were someone who clicked on this episode just from the title, I'm kind of shocked, but I'm also really glad that you did because this is going to be a fun episode. I've been looking forward to this episode and the next one on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel for quite a while now. In fact, I planned it like a year ago that this is what I was going to do for my birthday week in 2021 was these two movies for the podcast. It got delayed by a few weeks, but that's a good thing because because of that delay, I've been able to be joined by Matt and Rob, my podcast family, so to speak, from the F- Fast and Furious movies, if you remember that. So Matt and Rob, thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm excited. yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having us. It's been a minute since the three of us have been able to get on a show together i've been I've been looking forward to this all week.
0: myself as well. this i I'm very excited. So we will immediately jump in to our two cents. So this is our spoiler free reaction to the film. Uh, yeah, spoiler-free thoughts. Matt, I'm going to let you go first on this. You know,
2: take it away. Oh, so this is an interesting one because it is big, it is dumb, and it does not make a lot of sense. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't care. Uh, I just watched this today. Um Not the first time I've seen it, but uh, you know, a rewatch in anticipation for this just to refresh my memory. And like I said, it's it's just as wonky as I remember it. Um, True to Michael Bay form, uh, this movie follows a distinct pattern Um, and is almost shot incredibly scene for scene and angle for angle, like the first Transformers movie. which is actually hysterical to me to watch it today. But again, I had a lot of fun watching this. I think there's some really great things about this movie. Uh, The dynamic between the turtles is one of them. I think they actually nailed that in this first movie, and I was really surprised because I don't think Michael Bay's ever shown he can do character development. Um, eh, Except for maybe The Island with Ewan McGregor. It's one of his rare hits that uh, I thought he did a good job, but uh sticking to this movie, yeah, it's big, it's dumb, it's loud, but I had a blast
0: okay i'm gonna I'm gonna follow up Matt because Matt and I have seen it before. Rob has not, so why did I pick this movie? I'm in charge of my own schedule here. No one is forcing me to watch these. uh I'm forcing <laughs> Rob to watch them. Why did I pick these uh i I love these two movies. I have such a soft spot for them and it, 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 Matt said it so well. They are big and they are dumb and so much of it doesn't make any sense and it's really kind of stupid and you think about it like, this is the Ninja Turtles movie that we got. Why did they do this? But then there's other things, scenes that I literally live in my brain rent-free because I love them so much. I think about them frequently. When I think about my love for movies, a few scenes from these films come to mind. When I think about scenes and movies that inspire me to want to make movies myself i think about scenes in these films like that's how much i love these uh every once in a while i'll just queue up youtube and watch a few scenes from this film uh because i just love it so much the 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 ninja turtles i feel like they get really well Uh, also matt pointed out this is a lot like a transformers movie and i've talked about frequently how i like those movies so maybe that's why uh it's in the same vein as transformers but yeah these are are just a blast yeah the the story is really the weakest part of it, uh, especially when you think about, like, this is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, but when you're just watching the Ninja Turtles on screen, it's, it's genuinely fun. And, you know, it has the same falling out parts where we see films like Transformers have where they try to focus on, on things that they shouldn't in a movie of this kind. Um, but for the most part, it is so much fun. And I, I love watching it. And there's a few scenes that I just smile from ear to ear because I'm having a great time. So I was excited to hear what other people thought about him. So I'm glad to know that so far I'm one for one. Maybe Rob is going to live up to his reputation and ruin that. So I'll give Rob the floor now to to see what he thinks.
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Man, so um, you know, I I agree a lot so far with what you guys have said. There, if you really focus on on the story, yeah, there's there's certain aspects of it that you go, huh? You know, when you really get right down to it, the screenwriting here is fairly basic, fairly formulaic. This is clearly intended for a young audience to follow along with. Um, without having to think about it too much to, to recognize beats um, to recognize story points, to just recognize things that they're going to be familiar with and just be able to watch, you know, the, the four turtles on screen, you know, kicking ass and, and, and beating up uh, bad guys and stuff like that. Um, that being said, it's still fun. Like I- acknowledging that some of the screenwriting is bad. Some of, you know, some of it is pointless. Some of it, it focuses on the wrong things at the wrong times. Um it's still a lot of fun. Um, I had actually not seen this film before uh, before getting invited to come hang out to do this, so I was actually really excited um, to get a chance to. It's it's one of those things. It's, it's one of the things I've loved about uh, podcasting um, is is getting a chance to go back and revisit films that I've really enjoyed and and have it have an excuse to sit down and watch them again because I'm so busy in my life that it's hard for me to go back. And rewatch things I've already seen, or sometimes make time for something that I've wanted to see, but it's it's hard to like. I would have never just decided to watch Ninja Turtles on my own, but I did want to see it, so I'm glad that I got the opportunity to do it because uh, I was uh, not to tip my hand too much when we get to you know rummage for the rotten. But I um, I enjoyed this more than I than I thought I would. Um, so w- when you text us about hey do you guys want to do this? Um, so I started trying to figure out okay where's this streaming? Is this on something I already subscribed to? And it came up that it was on Tubi TV, which is a free streaming service. <laughs> you don't pay anything for it. So already I'm going, oh man, I hadn't heard good things about this movie. <laughs> and it's on a free streaming service. Like it's not even on Netflix. Like it's not, it's not on something you have to pay for. There's ads. There's literally ads while you're watching this movie. Um and I thought, well, that that can't be good. Um and, and that actually made my heart hurt a little bit because. I, I was a kid when the ninja Turtles first came out I can recite every line from the cartoon theme song like literally every line like don't ask me to do it now because you won't enjoy it but I could do it if, if if gun to my head I could do it um i' I've, and I've had. I have a very soft spot for the Ninja Turtles because this was, you know, I I was born in 1982. So kind of the the beginning of my childhood when I started watching TV and and cartoons and playing with action figures, the beginning of my childhood was kind of like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And that kind of faded out. But then the bulk of my childhood, the, the major dominating piece of culture in my childhood was the Ninja Turtles, the cartoon, the toys, the movies, everything. And for me, it's it's hard to say that they didn't have a major impact on my lifelong fascination with martial arts um, that I'd never really got a chance to do anything about. So I got into college, but I'd always I'd always been fascinated by it and still to this day. Um, it, it's just one of the things that I've enjoyed the most in my life is, is getting finally getting a chance at 18 to get involved in the martial arts. And, and I really think it was growing up in that turtles generation. Um, so having the chance to kind of see them come back after being away for a while, uh, was, was something I was really into.
0: Well, I think we broke his streak and finally, <laughs> uh, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, All right, so those are two cents. I am so excited to get into the spoilers of this, especially after what Rob had to say. So let's move on to the next segment that Rob hinted at, Rummage for the Rotten. So this is based off of Rotten Tomatoes, you know, very cleverly named. Uh, So just for reference, this film is rated at a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not fantastic. So... Here at The Basin Binge, we have our Picker Poison, which is our rating scale, but as Matt on his show has a rating out of five reels, we're going to keep with his tradition, where at the end of this episode, we are going to give our rating for the film out of five reels. So the Rummage for the Rotten is where the three of us get to guess who will be the rotten, as in the person who gives this the lowest rating. Doesn't matter if the lowest rating is 4.88888 out of five. If that's the lowest, they're the rotten. So I'm going to guess who it's going to be. And I thought I had it in the bag. I I was just going to go for Rob. And now I'm confused. Uh, I think it is going to be a tie between Matt and Rob, actually. I'm going to confidently
2: say that I think it's a tie. Um, Matt, I'll let you guess next. I do think it's going to be. I think it's going to be by a sliver but I think I'm going to forgive more of the shortcomings of this movie than Rob would. I think our, his score will surprise us, but I still think it'll be the lowest, but probably it might just be by a sliver.
1: Um, yeah, I, um, I think, I I think all of that's accurate. I think I'm probably going to surprise you with the, the ranking that I give it. Um, I think it's probably still, yeah, I think I'm probably going to have the lowest out of the three of us, but I don't think it's going to be by much. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I'm excited for the end of the episode where we will find out. Uh, so Rob, I guess you're living up to your your legacy over here at the at the basement bench. Um, so before we get into the spoilers now, I want to give both Matt and Rob a chance to talk about the podcast, Matt Goes Through the Movies, which is obviously Matt's podcast. And Rob is a big part of that uh, and so I wanted to give them both a chance to talk about what they have done recently over there. Rob, I'll let you go first cause I it's pretty exciting what you're doing. And then Matt kind of closes out with anything you want to say about our show because I appreciate you both being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the, the chance to do that. Uh, so my name is Rob and uh, you know, Matt invites me on with some, some frequency to hang out with him and talk about shows and movies uh, on his channel. Matt goes to the movies and um, it, it, actually after being a guest on this show, and a question you had asked uh, Harrison about, you know, why do I love movies and some of the movies that I love so much? It was one of those things that I was really thinking about for a couple of days, and I, and I kind of generated an idea out of it. And uh, and Matt was kind enough to let me borrow his channel, which you know, considering that he's made me rewatch X Men Origins Wolverine, he's made me rewatch Batman v Superman, and he's also made me rewatch Justice League. Theatrical version of Justice League. Um, I kind of feel like he owes me something for that. So um, he was he was kind enough to let me borrow his channel and and uh, do a show with my with my brother Eric called Rob's Reviews where we kind of look at some of these movies that um, has really had a major, major impact on, on he and I throughout a, a good bit of our life. Um, and uh, we started, we, we knew the first two we wanted to do. We, we started with Fight Club and had a lot of fun talking about that one. Uh, and then we just released uh, an episode on Goodfellas, which, uh, as I said, the last time I was here, it's, it's one of my three favorite movies of all time. Uh, I actually got a chance to go back and read the book, Wise Guy, that the film was based on. Um, and it was really a lot of fun to do. It was a lot of fun to research. And uh, and we, we really had a good time doing it. So I, uh, I appreciate Matt letting me borrow his channel for a minute.
0: I am excited for everybody to go over and listen to the episodes. I haven't listened to the Goodfellas episode yet, but the Fight Club episode. It was really interesting because I had known that I kind of inspired that when I asked you um, why you enjoy movies. So I was intrigued to hear your brain you know kind of peel open your brain and see how you thought about that further um and it's a great episode I, yeah especially for your first time hosting it's a great episode um so yeah definitely go check out both of those but matt anything you want to add on
2: yeah no it was uh yeah, in a way, I felt like I do Rob. I've asked him to <laughs> rewatch some some pretty stellar picks. Uh, <laughs> um, but it was it was a lot of fun uh, listening to those two episodes. Certainly listeners of Matt Goes to the Movies have um, really picked up on those episodes. Uh, I mentioned one little tidbit to Rob before we started recording, but I will let him be known, and he'll probably maybe be shocked here. Um Fight Club has actually, in the short time it's been available, cracked the top 10 for downloads on Mac OS wow. to the Movies. So uh, there's a lot of people that like that movie and have wanted to listen to that episode. So that was actually really cool to see that that has jumped into the top 10. Um, oddly enough, still, I'm always shocked by this. Uh, the rebooted Power Rangers movie still has a commanding lead um, on the number one downloaded <laughs> show on Matt Goes to the Movies, and I'm I'm always shocked when I see that. Um, but uh, with the Matt Goes to the Movies, uh, we have some episodes coming out. I don't want to dump everything at once because I had some audio trouble uh, with the Tom Cruise marathon I did, which I had to, you know, really work and get those audio, um, those audio, uh, sound bites. Uh, off the computer, downloaded, do some editing to them, so I am working on uploading them. Uh, It's taken a little bit longer, a little bit of a crazy work schedule lately uh, that has kept me from doing a couple of things that I want, Uh, but those are still coming. I hope to have those up here by the end of the week, finally. Uh, But also, over the week, I did get to go see Snake Eyes, which I'd really like to do a review on, and I was surprised um, last week on... I. I believe it was a Tuesday night. I can't remember the exact day. Uh, but I was surprised f- with an outdoor trip to see the Breakfast Club um, on an outdoor theater screen, uh, in a parking lot on a beautiful night, uh, which is my favorite movie of all time, The Breakfast Club. So uh I'm gonna do a review on that uh because that was a awesome experience, something I wasn't expecting. Um it was just kind of thrust upon me like hey, I'm uh, going to go check out an outdoor movie. I had no clue what it was. Uh, it happened to be my favorite movie of all time. So uh, I look forward to bringing that uh, review as well.
0: Wow, great episodes to look forward to. So since we're in the announcement segment of this, real briefly, I mentioned the last episode that there was a La La Land episode coming. It is still coming. I just found out I have a lot more to say about that movie than I thought, and it is hard to compile all those thoughts into one episode that makes sense instead of it just being splattered in randomness. So it's coming. Stay subscribed for that. Anyway, that's enough announcements because those are a horrible way to die. So let's move on into the spoilers, into the very first spoiler section, Pick Your Poison. Here at The Basement Binge, this is our made-up rating scale where instead of having it on his reels like Matt does with his show or a percentage like Rotten Tomatoes or whatever your preferred rating is, we choose our interaction with the film after having watching it this said time for the podcast. Four options. All pretty straightforward. Bottom of the list. Worst rating you can give it to never watch it again. Self-explanatory. Above that is to stream it, meaning it was on a streaming service that you were already subscribed to. You were looking for something to watch, and it was just was this there to fill the hole of entertainment that you were consuming. Above that, rent it. Be willing to pay a few dollars to so rent it whenever you would like. And then, top of the list, buy it. Drop the dough. Watch it as much as you want. Um, I'm very, very intrigued. I will go first and then I'll have Rob follow me up, and then Matt, you'll go last. Uh no surprise, I own this movie. It was (laughs) a movie that was on my Blu-ray wish list for the longest time. And when I finally got it, I like felt a sense of satisfaction because my love for these movies is so large. And and even though I recognize these movies are so incredibly flawed, if someone was like, Hey, you want to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'll do this you know i i would be right there watching it i i'd be like i'll bring my blu-ray you you know (laughs) where's the where are you at i i would jump on that so fast i would totally rewatch this um so yeah i bought it i own it i watched it again last night before the podcast my wife and i we sat down we cooked our frozen pizza from the grocery store you know and we watched the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie and it was great and i had the time of my life uh, so yeah, this is a total buy because I, I can see myself rewatching this many, many years to come, especially with the future kids. So yeah, obvious. I thought that was pretty clear from the beginning, but Rob, I'll let you pick your poison next.
1: Um, So, you know, I think, I think this rating scale is really interesting because, um, for, especially for me, because I don't purchase a lot of DVDs or Blu-rays anymore. Um, I, you know, I used to buy a ton of them, and I used to have the, this fantasy of how awesome it would be to have just like this massive, like massive library of movies that when people come over, like they just see like wall to wall like DVDs and, and Blu-rays as far as the eye can see, you know, and just have access to any of it all the time. Uh, I just don't have the space for that, so <laughs> I've really consolidated down and. Um, to me, if I'm going to own something, um, to me, buying, buying a movie, it's, it's gotta be like something I'm really that passionate about. Like I actually don't even own that many films out of the MCU. Um, and I don't know that I would actually go out and buy them because I just know they're going to be on Disney plus, you know, I'm not particularly worried about it. Um, I would rent this movie though. So I would give it, you know, it's, it's a three, it's a, it's a rent for me. Um, if this wasn't available on a streaming service and my kids were like, really like, Hey dad, let's watch that. I'd be like, all right, let's go do it. And I'd find a red box or whatever, um, wherever I could find it or, or, you know, do a a rental through Amazon prime. Uh, you know, if it's 399 or whatever, yeah, I'd, I'd spend or four bucks to watch this movie again. Uh no problem at all. I am surprised. <laughs> uh, yeah. Matt, you want to close us out?
2: Yeah, I'm uh I almost feel like I wish Rob was in front of me. I'd want to feel his forehead. Um, because he is he's surprising me today with all of this. Um, he must have a fever, but um yeah, you know, this movie for me, it, it it's a hundred percent. I would stream this movie, no problem. Um and watch it again, because again, I, I have fun with it. Would I pay the typical as like a, a quick little sidebar? Would I pay the typical, you know, 1999 Blu-ray? No. Uh, you know, Black Friday $5 bin at Target or Walmart, and I saw this movie, I'd I'd a hundred percent buy it right off the bat, no hesitation. So uh it's a stream with a twist of a buy, uh depending on how much the total was for this uh, this Blu-ray. Or if it comes out in 4K, because I'm starting to get a little bit uh, crazy about buying 4K. Oh, 4K, sweet. I'm right there with you. I, I will clarify, both of these were bought
0: used from FYE for like $5 total, so both is in the sequel.
2: I should clarify that, yeah. Oh, that what? store is a trap, man. Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Total sidebar, before my wife and I moved when we were living down in Provo different part of Utah there was one just down the street from us at a mall uh and I would go there all the time and I just, my I'd just walk up and down the blu-ray aisles and I'd be like are you ready to go and be like no not no. yet no <laughs> <laughs> uh, now there's uh. not one close to us so I haven't been in a while maybe I should go back but yeah you can get gems like these movies
2: there yeah um, you know uh Harrison if you don't mind that that's such a funny story because probably rob had it like rob remembers this but we had media play um and i had a media play like really really close to where i lived like when i was younger i could ride my bike there in like 10 minutes i would go there like uh, three times a week and like you said harrison just like roam the dvd aisles and just stare at movies um yeah god when life was simple and that was so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah I love to browse but I'm
0: so surprised with this figure poison so I would definitely want to get into the next segment here live up so this because Rob's never seen it before but I also assuming that the, the, all three of us had seen it before left this segment in so live up is normally when at least one individual on the show has not seen the film before to ha- have a chance to talk about their expectations going in and if it was able to live up to those expectations we are so good with names around here at the basement bench uh, but I kept this segment in assuming that Rob had seen it, which it turns out he hasn't, because I also wanted to ask some additional questions just about the nature of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because from what Rob said, from what I know about myself, it seems like this is something that these characters, these these four turtles are very near and dear to our hearts, so before I get into those questions, Rob, since you were the one individual who had not seen it, share with us your expectations, you kind of did in two cents with Tubi and, and it being free, but a little bit more about what your expectations were for this film, if you have more to elaborate and if it lived up to those uh, good or bad expectations.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think what's interesting about this this particular segment is that um, my expectations for this coming in were in terms of overall the pantheon of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles media, I, knowing that this film was on Tubi and knowing at, at the time that I saw it. And, and knowing that it doesn't have a great rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I hadn't heard a lot of people go, oh, my God, the new Ninja Turtle movie is amazing. Uh, knowing all of those things, my expectations for this was, was going to probably be that in the pantheon of Ninja Turtles media, it would probably rank somewhere above the original NES arc, you know, 8-bit water level and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. Like, I sort of thought it'd fall in between there. Probably not as bad as the water level in the original eight-bit game, but probably not as good as even the third live-action Ninja Turtles movie. That's that's pretty much a pile of dog crap. Um, and and this movie vastly, vastly exceeded my expectations. Um, it was fun. The characters were interesting and and well written. Uh, at least the turtles were. Some of their interaction with one another was was really good. Um, you know they they have an opportunity to talk about how it's all about family, and I immediately went, "Oh man, where's where's Dom? We we got to get him. We got to get him in the charger and have him come <laughs> pick these guys up." Um, but I I believed all that, you know, and and I think part of it is just knowing who these characters are already before this film starts and and having ideas about who they who they really are, you know, that might have influenced me a little bit more in, into seeing some of what they were because honestly these guys aren't on screen anywhere near as much as you would think they would be like this movie kind of starts off as an April O'Neil movie. Um, and, and then eventually we get, I mean, I want to say it's about 25 minutes in before we actually get the turtles. Um, it, but it, it's, it's fun. You know, it's really fun. And I, I found myself, uh, you know, pretty happy when the film was over and, and it vastly exceeded my expectations. Well, there we go. This is so this is
0: music to my ears. Because um, <laughs> I agree with just about everything you said. Uh, so, I, before I get into my questions about living up to the, the legacy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I want to talk a little bit about what Rob just said. How I think it's so interesting that we know this is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, who accidentally ended up watching this movie either in the theater or on their TV at home and being surprised, like, oh, this is a movie about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like, why make it? all suspicious, like why go for the lane of it being an April O'Neil movie where she's trying to figure out who they are. Definitely fits with the lane of transformers like Matt pointed out. And also the, the, the live action teenage mutant Ninja Turtles movie with the rubber suits, uh, very kind of similar to that where it's elusive. They're in the shadows before they're revealed. And I kind of get that, but at the same time, like I'm going to a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles movies in 2014 to see the turtles. I, and I thought it was a weird choice to wait that long to give us the turtles. But I also understand that. So I'm kind of, I don't know, just undecided about that. But I, but I do think it's interesting that that was the choice. I mean, they even have this huge title. It says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, nobody had a doubt that at some point there was going to be uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the screen. Like, that—that that is the most campy, ridiculous thing ever. But we try and, like, treat it with some level of seriousness. Uh, yeah, Matt, do you have any thoughts about that before I move on to my questions?
2: yeah I mean, when this movie you know first came out uh obviously, you know Michael bay uh think what you want about him a lot of people do um and I didn't have a ton of expectations for this, but like I knew I wanted to see it, regardless. I kind of felt what i like i felt like I knew what I was getting myself into, but I had a real desire to see the movie because growing up i mean even though it would cause kids to rage throw controllers, um, you know, that original <laughs> turtle, like that original turtles game. It's the me. Side- I'm kids. <laughs> yeah. Like the side scroller turtles game in the arcade turtles in time, which is like one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I had every, I actually still have, um, in the basement at my mother's house is a box of my turtles. Um, I still have all of my teenage mutant ninja turtle toys from when I was a kid. Um, like I just never got them from her house when I moved from one house to another because um, I had some stuff in storage over there while I was moving. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted—I wanted to see this movie, and I think I—I I think Rob alluded to this. Some of my childhood memories of turtles like really allows me to see past some of just the ridiculousness um, of this movie and some of the ridiculous dialogue um, that happens where I I don't understand how somebody wrote it. They did like a table reading and then they saw it in the editing room and went, yeah, we should, we should keep that. Um, But I'm just, I'm willing to give a lot of it a pass.
0: Yeah, I, I really agree with you. So let let me get into my questions here because I think all of us are giving it that same, like, pass. Uh, so Rob talked a little bit about it in his two cents. Matt just talked about it. The turtles for me, um, I didn't – I obviously, I'm a, I'm a lot younger, but the Ninja Turtles for me started where at my grandma's house, she has a pool. We'd go swimming there every 4th of July, every Memorial Day, every – you know, summer holiday, we would have a big swim party. And even just on the weekends in the summer, we'd go swimming, you know, and, and the adults would be swimming and me and my younger brother, we'd swim for a little bit. We would dry ourselves off with our towels. We'd go down in their basement. That was freezing cold and eat a uh, drumstick, like ice cream cones and watch a VHS of teenage mutant Ninja turtles. I can't remember what it is right now. I I looked it up the other day and I forgot, but it was one of those VHS that had like two episodes on it, so to speak, uh, you know, two short movies or episodes. I'm not sure what you call it. Uh, and we, we watched it every time it, it, that, and then we'd watch the Jetsons movie on VHS, both of them every time, every time we'd go swimming, I guess part of the is my brother and I had to go down there and sit on the freezing cold couch with our towels as blankets, watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I loved it. And so that love for them continued. I had games. My brother and I, we had toys. I remember total side story. Uh, actually, no, I'll save that for later. Uh, yeah, I had toys. I loved the Ninja Turtles, and it was just something that was like, yeah, the, the Ninja Turtles. Who doesn't love the Ninja Turtles? And so, anyway, fast forward to like 2017, 2018, must have been 2017. Uh, yeah, t- 2017. I was starting to watch new movies because I took this big hiatus from watching like any new movie. Like I was like, oh, new movies are stupid. Like I, I didn't even go to the theaters. Um. Anyway, so I started to watch new movies. You know, what was I missing? And I was like, Oh, they made a new Ninja Turtles movie, and I was all excited. So I was sitting completely alone in my basement. I think it was streaming on Prime or something. I don't know if I rented it, whatever. I ended up watching it, and I just had a huge grin on my face the whole time. I mean, it, w- whether the the turtles were sliding down that snow hill, or they were making jokes, or beatboxing in the elevator, or they were doing ninja stuff. That even though they were so bad at it, I, I was just this is awesome. Like this is the greatest movie I've ever seen, uh, and I, I was just so excited by it and. I realized, especially talking to two of you now, that it was just so fun to see these characters that have just belonged in my heart, that I've loved, that I've reenacted with my brother so many times. I've called myself uh, Leonardo, and my brother was Michelangelo, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And so having those same characters that I love just on screen allows me to be like, oh yeah, this writing is really bad, and it focuses on April O'Neill so much. And, like, and that's kind of dumb and, and like... Shredder, what's up with that? But the, but the Turtles! And, it, and it's just so easy to love the Turtles. Uh, so my question to the two of you is, with all that, clearly we both love the Turtles. I think, and, and I've since my childhood consumed under Ninja Turtles uh, content, whether it's a video game or, or the cartoons. I watched so many of those cartoons or, or the first live action movies that were made. Obviously, there's a love that is there for the Ninja Turtles. What is it about this film? So I have two questions. The first one, What is it about this film that really lives up to that love for the Turtles? Like, what is it about this film that makes it a good Ninja Turtles movie? And what is it about this film that makes it a bad Ninja Turtles movie? Like, why isn't this the greatest Ninja Turtles movie ever made? Why isn't it as near and dear to us as maybe the side-scrolling game you just mentioned or whatever? So, kind of a two-part question. What's What about this, yeah, I'm so long-winded those are my two questions
2: uh matt i'll let you answer first well for me um what works is like the turtles um you know there was a lot of negativity when their designs were first leaked. um i don't know if you guys remember that uh at all but man there was so much negativity about the turtles are too big they look ridiculous um I I found myself thinking that when I first saw this movie but then over time I just like came to accept it but the dynamic of these brothers when you actually like you literally take everything else and you strip that away and if you just focus on the turtles as the four of them and even splinter um as terrible as he looks in this movie and I think he looks horrible. Um like I'd rather actually hold a real rat in my hand than look at him on screen. <laughs> um but they're like that family dynamic um is actually really, really good. Um you know it's it's four brothers who have four very different personalities. Um but they are brothers. They are blood and They come together when they need to, they fight when they need to, they joke when they need to. And it actually all feels, and again, like I I don't think Michael Bay is really good at this. So that surprises me a lot. It really works. Like nothing feels like over like overstayed here. The tension between Leonardo and Raphael, which we know you know, anybody who knows Turtles knows that there's always tension there, but that doesn't feel like it's forced. It feels very organic. Um, even Michelangelo, he feels very organic, like he should be that type of, you know, goof um, in this movie. So I think he really nailed the dynamic of the Turtles. And when you focus on that aspect of the movie, I I really don't see a lot of flaws in terms of how they are portrayed as brothers. Wow. Well said Rob, do you want
0: to follow up with,
1: you know how this lives up to that? Why it's a good Ninja Turtles movie? You know, even just the beginning of this, the comic style intro, we get to it because this start, you know, Ninja Turtles started way, way, way back as just a black and white comic. Um, so I sort of love this, that even that intro, um, you know, I think Matt said it beautifully, the the dynamic between the brothers. Um, I think having familiarity with these characters over the years really makes it sink in even more. Like, I wonder if somebody who had not seen anything Ninja Turtles, would they have really picked up on the real meaning behind Leo and Raph's tension between each other? Like, we got it because we know that that's what that is. And I thought it worked well. But I would really love to talk to somebody who had seen this movie and, and never... Seen Ninja Turtles before and see if they really felt like it worked as well. Um, you know things like Michelangelo being kind of goofy, but he's he's actually really funny. Like he's not goofy annoying. Like he's not he's not goofy in a we're trying too hard. Like we're sitting in the in the writing room and we're trying to be like okay guys what can we make michelangelo say that's really funny you know sometimes in in other ninja turtles you know shows and and comics and and movies it almost feels like they're trying too hard with him and and this time it it did feel like i think matt said organic and i think that i I think that really is um you know a a great way to put it um but the turtles are fun you know when you get them together and and the four of them you know they their shells against the wall and and they have to you know be there for each other i believe it it works um in terms of things that don't make it the greatest ninja turtle movies ever well first of all it doesn't have a vanilla ice song there is no go ninja go ninja go if they had that it would probably be you know maybe my favorite turtles movie of all time um there's you know we, we talked about some of the screenwriting's pretty bad i don't know that i love shredder in this Um, Megatron he's, he's he's Megatron. He's he's exactly Megatron.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of this movie, wow, he's really menacing. Um, But then, oh, he just kind of shoots knives. Okay. Um, You know, I, I don't know, but I, I'll, I'll say this. I actually really do like the character designs for this. I think that it really does make these guys unique. It shows their personality. It shows the difference in their personality because this movie, like we've said, doesn't spend enough time, actually showing us the turtles. Um, it, for some reason, they think we want just a Megan Fox movie with four green CGI characters, which we don't. Um, but I really think the opportunity to have each character dress differently instead of just giving them four different weapons and four different colored masks, which, by the way, in the original, way, 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 way back in the day, they all wore red masks. And I want to say it was, it was when they were pitching it as a cartoon, basically in the old days, cartoons just served as like 22-minute-long uh, infomercials to make you go buy the toys. They thought it'd be easier to sell more toys if they looked different. So that's why they have four different colored masks instead of all red ones. Um, it, I think more than just giving them different ma- colored masks and different color or different types of weapons, the the actual designs really actually made them feel the most unique and the most I don't know where we got to really understand their personality a little bit more of, of anything we've seen from the turtles.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm going to add on with you. I, I really, really agree. From the moment we're introduced to the turtles, like when April takes the picture of them and they're like, what was that? And they like freeze mid high five and, and the, the interaction as it pans around them. Uh, that's great. when the, 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 the tunnel sliding that they do constantly. Mikey, everything he says makes me laugh. My wife wasn't laughing, but I was. And I was like, oh, it's so funny. And she's like, what's funny? And I was like, it's, he's just funny. And and if it wasn't Mikey saying those things, it probably wouldn't be funny. But because it's Mikey and I know who Mikey is, it's funny. It, like genuinely. Uh, his his rocket skateboard, oh, my gosh. That was like right out of my childhood brain. Um, the the way that like when they're in the Hashi and uh, Raph is like, I'm not breaking if... Uh, Uh, I think he says Donnie's not breaking or something like that. I think he makes fun of Donnie and uh, just just those types of things. The way that on Raph's shell, there's a little in in Japanese, it says Mikey was here (laughs) and uh, things like that. It's just, it all my love that I've had for these characters and the way that I've made them up brothers in my mind, whether I was watching a cartoon or playing with toys is completely on screen here. I, I talked about that elevator scene earlier where they're beatboxing like like that is such a fun scene, and every time I watch it, I love it. And then I'm surprised, like this isn't a movie, like this isn't a main blockbuster movie made by the same company who really struggled to give the characters of the Autobots personality in the Transformers movies. And here we are with like a a, a thirty second scene, a hundred percent devoted to personality of the ninjas or of the turtles, and it, and it works so well. Uh, additionally, the the, the action, I, I realize that most of it is cgi most of it as and probably all of it um and especially after coming off a movie like snake eyes where it's just it's shaked up and chopped to oblivion this it's so fluid in a way that can only feel like childlike creativity and imagination and and it lends to the idea that these are these are ninja turtles fighting the foot clan so well and it just makes it feel like i'm reliving this this sense of wonder and the sense of fun that the ninja turtles always brought out in me and it, it I'm saying these things because it does all these things so well. Um, yeah, I'll talk about it more in, in falling in, in that, that end scene where Raph is talking about being brothers. Like, like I, I feel that scene a lot because these these really do feel like brothers. Or or when they're running around because they've got too much adrenaline. Like, there's just so much. Like, yeah, th- these are my guys. These are my these are my four dudes that I that I know so well, uh, and it really works. So we get that that works so well. But I want to transition to the things that why is this not a good Ninja Turtles movies. Rob kind of talked about this already. And I'll add on. Uh, it's it just... Shredder, you can tell, was... Uh, uh, Sax, whatever his name is, I forget his first name, was clearly supposed to be Shredder. Uh, and you can tell the reshoots were done so that some Asian individual was Shredder. And, and he's menacing until he's just a guy in a robot suit. And and it it's... Where is this, like, campy, annoying... Yeah, thorn-in-the-side shredder that I'm so used to uh, from the cartoons. Uh, and, and everything with shredder just really doesn't work for me, and it's a bummer. Because shredder, I mean, he's shredder. He's, yeah. Anyway, thoughts of, from you about why it doesn't? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I'm totally in agreement, and Rob, I think I said that to you because um, I hadn't realized that you hadn't seen this movie either, but if you go back and find like the very first trailer for this movie, um, I think it is crystal clear that William Fitchner was supposed to be shredder. Uh, there's even a scene in the very first trailer where he's looking at a suit of armor and it's not even the same. It's not even like the suit that we get. It's a completely like streamlined shredder suit. Um, So it was kind of weird to me that they went and made the decision to what looks like, again, I'm not, I've never had this 100% confirmed, um, but there's no doubt in my mind that they went back and decided against that for whatever reason. I don't know if they were getting backlash on it or what, Um, but Shredder just, he doesn't work in this movie for me. I did not see need to see a Megatron rip-off from Transformers in the form of Shredder. He's so big, he's so bulky, um, he's so robotic, pun intended, um, that it doesn't work. Uh Michael Bay's obsession with having military like people in his movies. I mean, the Foot Clan is supposed to be ninjas and halfway through you know, For the majority of the movie, they have guns, um, but then for some reason when they infiltrate the sewer, they have like billy clubs. Um, Okay, they just, you know, decide that they need different weapons and don't use guns. And then when the turtles go to stop Shredder, they have guns again. Um, So really like Shredder and the Foot Clan for me don't work at all in this movie the the opposition to the turtles is what doesn't work yeah
0: especially to speak on that a little bit especially with the first live action film just teenage mutant ninja turtles the foot clan was almost like a, a complete foil to the brotherhood that the the turtles had where it was like a misfits and people who don't belong feeling like they belong with this 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 guy who clearly is just manipulating them as is in, in Shredder it, it was a great foil uh, and now here it's just like we just got this paramilitary group that's just they just want control of New York and it really loses that.
1: Yeah. And and to kind of jump off of that for a second, one of the things that always annoys me in in modern action movies is is kind of when the movie forgets that guns exist because it needs it for the plot. Like, you know, Matt really nailed it right when he was talking about it and. I think having the Foot Clan be more of kind of like a paramilitary group as opposed to a group of ninjas right out of the gate when, when I saw that, it really did turn me off a lot about um, some of the decisions that they were making. Um, and I think that that definitely contributes to this not being a great, you know, all-time Turtles movie. Um, the The Shredder decisions just... <laughs> he stopped being menacing right out of the gate, you know, after he, after we get introduced to him and you're thinking, okay, where's this going? Um, and then he's just an ironmonger knockoff that shoots, uh, uh, you know, knives. Um, and then they're magnetic somehow. Like, I don't know. It just, it got to be so dumb. Like even, even the campiness that we get with turtles, like it, it it went beyond that and just into the realm of, of just kind of dumb. Um, you know, that part really didn't work. And, and I got to say like, for a villain, Sax is kind of lousy too. Like, there's the scene towards the end where he's shooting at uh, Will Arnett's character and and April. Um, this guy does not know how guns work. Like, not at <laughs> all. Like, not even a little bit. Like, it's pretty obvious he's he's got no familiarity familiarity with how these things work. Is it's just it's terrible. Um, and it's it's kind of scene breaking for me. And also, this plot um, is really unnecessarily complicated. So you're telling me you've got this mutagen that you're gonna so. We've seen this before in other movies, by the way, like people are going to cash in on the cure. They're going to make this terrible disease and they're going to sell the cure and, and make lots of money off of it. Well, the way they're, they're introducing this mutagen is that it's kind of like a miracle drug. And, and, in, and instead of um, killing a bunch of people um, with a disease that you have to make up, I, why don't you just, I don't know, cure cancer? Like, I feel like you could probably make a lot of money doing that. I don't know. Seems like that's something people would pay for. Um, Seems like that's something that it's impacting like everybody, you know. Um, So like you don't have to do nerve gas to get to that. Like those kinds of things. um, Like like I said, I, I refer to it as like scene breaking. Like it's just, it's bad.
2: Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Matt. I I was just going to say, can I just, you know, we're talking about dialogue and can I point out how you said he doesn't know how to use a gun? Um, I don't think I've maybe heard a line that sounded so serious that is so bad than when he says, we will drain every ounce of their blood, even if it kills them. I, I mean, I've, I've never, I've never gone to medical school. I couldn't, you know, do, I, I, I couldn't save somebody's life probably. Uh, but I think i would know that if you drained every single ounce of my blood out of my body i would die
1: (laughs) I, I, i definitely caught that too yeah
2: when he says that every time i just and that's what i'm referring to sometimes with some of these lines is like how did you write this read it and then allow it to stay in the movie and if that's the line that you ended up on because you cut something else my God, I'd love to see the original script pages. <laughs> it's something that when
0: I see, I'm like, oh yeah, this is intended to be a kid's movie. But then there's other things I'm like, why, why do we have both? The, these two don't work together. Like one that you're trying to be like an adult film. I mean, it's also rated PG-13. It's not like people are taking their six-year-olds to this. I mean, some people do, you know, but generically, six-year-olds aren't going to be in the theater. We don't need a line that says we're going to kill the turtles. Like are, we're smart enough to know they're taking away their blood. They're gonna
1: die. Uh, yeah, great, great uh, mention there, Matt. Uh, I, I mean, well, listen when I when I give blood, I, I get dizzy, and that's just like I don't know. What do they take a pint like, and it, that makes even me less dizzy than to that. the point where I have to sit down. Yeah, <laughs> like I have to sit down for the rest of the day. Like, yeah, they're gonna take all of it.
2: They're gonna take it all. I, I do love too how like April's just able to show up to this guy's house. Um, he's supposedly this like rich, powerful man who helps like protect and fund the city and he's like she just randomly shows up to his house to talk about the fact that like oh the turtles and what if they weren't gone and tell me about this and again just like the weird dumb dialogue where he's like project res you know like oh tell me about this project renaissance was supposed to be this cure drug and we were going to change the world and then she shows him that the turtles are alive and his next line is do you really want to know about Project Renaissance? It was like, what did you just talk about? Like, what <laughs> What do you mean? Like, oh, man, some of the dialogue on this is so bad. And yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I
0: agree. <laughs> I, I want to touch on one thing that you just mentioned.
2: Why? I mean, maybe you
0: two don't have a complaint about this, but I, why did they decide to make them April's pets? Like, what was wrong with just the, the ooze? What, what was wrong with that? I, I the idea that, that April knew them, that she named them, that they were involved in this whole thing from the ge- begui- beginning, goodness, between her dad and Sax and the fire and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, why? Why why can't we just, I mean, why can't they just be turtles who lived in a sewer that ooze went in and now they're giant? What's wrong? Yeah.
1: You know, I, I <laughs> definitely picked up a lot of that. And the only thing that that popped into my head, and I don't know if this is true, I don't know if it's not, but when you're trying to get you know, so your your headliner on this movie is Megan Fox. Like, you know, that's, that's your headliner. True. And to get her involved, um, you know, to entice her to be a part of this project, to, to lend that credibility of, you know, an A-list Hollywood name, um, you know, maybe you make her character more important. Maybe you make the first half hour of the movie about her character on a movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, not April from Channel 6 News. Um, <laughs> Like, I I don't know. That's, that's the one thing that I kept wondering because I had that same question. Like I didn't need that to connect that way. Like I was, I was perfectly fine with all of the other ways we've seen it. Like that to me, didn't add anything to the lore of Ninja Turtles. That didn't add anything to this movie. Um, It just seemed like they were, I don't know, trying to, trying to keep everything so tied together in a way that actually, like if you cut all of that, it doesn't change the movie in any way at all.
2: No, not at all. Can I ask a a quick sidebar question, too? Of course. This movie came out what year originally? 2014. 2014? Even back in 2014, who the heck liked Pizza Hut?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What what New York respecting man
2: orders Pizza Hut? They had like 39,000 boxes (laughs) in that sewer of Pizza Hut. It was unbelievable.
0: They got the 99 cheese pizza, man. (laughs) (laughs)
2: 99
1: cheese pizza. I don't even think 99 different cheeses exist.
0: I I was actually total sidebar. I was looking it up, some trivia about this. Some chef who loves the Ninja Turtles in Australia saw this movie, saw the 99 cheese pizza, and made one. He made like 94 cheeses and melted them all down into one like block, and then used that to make the cheese, and then sprinkled uh, four additional cheeses on top and paramount was so impressed with him that they brought him to the launch event for the dvd and blu-ray release <laughs> Dude,
2: if you if you eat wow. a 99 cheese pizza you are never leaving the bathroom your entire your entire life is spent
0: there <laughs> i'm i'm lactose intolerant so i'm never going anywhere near that i'm pretty sure who everyone everyone else who eats it will join me as being lactose intolerant right.
2: like oh man it was i remember seeing that when that first came and i'm like who likes pizza hut like what <laughs> like what yeah
0: gotta love product placement uh, uh the, one other thing that i want to say about the idea that that Rob is saying that you can cut the connection that they have with April, and it doesn't change the movie at all. Especially very puny spoiler for the next film that we're going to do next week. Um, the next villain is... Uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, oh my Krang? gosh. Crank. Thank you. Is Crank, and then we also have Be-Bok and Rock, Bebot and Rocksteady, which is awesome. They're great, but it's like, how did we go from a mutagen that made these turtles' lives to like Crank. It, it just is it doesn't work in the same way uh which is really interesting and you know the ninja turtles lore is weird like it's just filled with weird vil, weird characters villains and heroes why not just let it be weird uh which i think is is a downside why this isn't the strongest so i we're, we're going to move on from that section because i want to get into the other segments but to finish out this live up segment with these random questions i was asking i have to know kind of two questions one, this may be a difficult question. Who is your favorite turtle of the four? And two, in this movie, is it still your favorite? Like, did this movie make you like one more than you did before? Does that make sense? What I'm asking the second question? Okay. All right. So, Rob, you go first.
1: Uh, so, I've always been Team Donatello because I've always felt in the cartoons, he was underratedly funny. Um, And I always liked that he was kind of the smart guy. Um, And then also because in the Ninja Turtle games, uh, the bow staff was always the longest weapon. So you usually had a little bit of an advantage. Uh, So I was always kind of repping Donatello a little bit back in the day. Um, I actually feel like of the four of them, um, he probably gets the least amount of of stuff to do on screen. I feel like of the four, he's probably fleshed out the least. Um, so I was i got to say I was a little disappointed with that. I definitely was I've always been a big fan of Raphael. I've, I've actually really found him to be uh, in most cases. I, I usually think his writing is even funnier than Michelangelo's. Um, and, I, and I really liked what they did with him here.
0: Yeah, real quickly before Matt answers, because I'll have you go next. For like Ninja Turtle noobs, uh, Donatello, he's purple. He has a bow staff in this film. He's kind of the tech guy that has all the technology over his shell and does all the hacking and whatnot. Michelangelo is an orange guy uh, with the nunchucks who's in love with April O'Neil. And then Raphael is a red guy with the size who's like, you know, big and tough. And then Leonardo, he has in this film, a Katana and he's blue and he's kind of the leader in this film, but in the, yeah, he's the leader. So yeah, there, if you don't know anything about Ninja turtles, there you go. Uh, but yes, I agree with what you said, Rob. So Matt onto you.
2: Yeah. Uh, I have always been partial to Raphael and it's not only because of just the movies uh, originally back then, But if you read like the original comics and Rob, I think you can uh, attest to this. Uh, There's some pretty like serious graphic novels for the turtles. Um, The graphic novels aren't very campy for turtles. There's some pretty serious stories. And I think, uh, you know, I I think Raph is written incredibly well in a lot of those. Um, Also, too, I, I agree with you, Rob. I think sometimes. He is one of the funnier ones out of the group um, in the, you know, in the movies. I certainly thought he was incredibly funny in the first Turtles movie um, all the way back in, you know, I, what was it, 1990? I, I thought he was actually pretty funny in that movie. So I, I've always liked him. And again, I really like how they, you know, he was written in this movie as well. So I will go last here, and to sum this up,
0: my favorite turtle is Leonardo, but I have a soft spot for Raph as well, because when I was a kid, my brother and I, we both got Ninja Turtle toys, he got Michelangelo, who was his favorite, and I got Raphael, and I was like, no, this isn't Leonardo, and I was so upset, and I don't know if you ever did this as a kid, like, you got a toy that wasn't the one you wanted, but you couldn't have the one you wanted, so you just looked at the one you got, like, trying to convince yourself it's what you wanted every time I got out Raphael to play with him, I was like, this isn't Leonardo. But, and then I like try and convince myself that Raphael is cool. Anyway, I was a dumb little kid. Uh, so (laughs) uh, Leonardo, I have such a soft spot for him, but I feel like if I'm being honest, everybody just kind of has like the generic characterizations about them. Like Leonardo kind of being the, the leader and, and the, yeah, the leader, uh, Donatello being the smart guy and then Michelangelo just being the goof, the youngest one who likes pizza the most. And then Raphael being like the tough guy. Like they have those generic things about them, but I think Raphael actually has some really, really great writing in this film, particularly as like the tough guy learning to accept help from others. I think he is the one, I mean, if the theme here, which we'll get to and fall in fall is about accepting help and working as a team, it is most fleshed out through the character of Raphael. And I, I, it makes me wish that I liked the toy more that I had when I watched this movie. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have been so hard on Raphael. He's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So any, any other things we want to mention about our love for turtles before we move on to binge points or, or anything else about the film that, uh, yeah, about living up to expectations you want to add on.
2: Um, no, I, I yeah, no, I think we've, you know, I, I think maybe some things will come out in the next segment, but no, I, I, I feel like we've, Okay. Got a pretty good job.
0: <laughs> I do too. So let's move on to the next segment, Binge Point. So these are Easter eggs, details, fun trivia about the film. Obviously, there's lots of things because we love the turtles. Uh, behind the scenes stuff if we want to mention that. I love, I, I both love and hate how much this film references the history of Ninja Turtles. You know, like the pizza slice falling on Splinter's head or um, Shredder saying, tonight I dine on turtle soup or the way that the turtles live in the sewer and, and, uh, splinter finds a book which originally he found the books to name them but in this he found the books to teach them martial arts so like kind of self referential um yeah those types of things I mean they have the car and it shows up and they it plays their little theme uh will arnett's character says heroes in the half shell I mean like also why did he say that like who calls turtles half shells I've never heard of that outside of teenage mutant ninja turtles so when he says that I'm like what like who, who who would just quip that off the top of their head uh but yeah, any bench points that two of you want to add?
1: Um, you know, just kind of on that, there was definitely some times where I felt like it was almost a little bit of uh too much of a of of an overabundance of trying to shoehorn in that that turtles, you know, lingo, you know, when they first said cowabunga, like that felt like, remember that thing that you said you weren't gonna do, well, go ahead and do it now, or or whatever that line was. Like, I, I don't know. I think maybe this is one of those things that In a theater, and and Matt, you you know I kind of talked about this a little bit with the the Mortal Kombat review, you know, when he finally says, like, get over here, like, probably in the theater, like, if you were with a packed group of people who were there because they're, like, massive fans, like, the first time they say calabunga or when they say any of these lines, like people would probably lose their minds. Like they would just be cheering and and dancing in the aisles and everybody's excited about it. But when you're sitting on your couch, um, it really just, it falls flat. Like there's, there's not that energy of everybody in the room. That's so excited to hear that, that catchphrase. Um, So to me, that was, you know, another reason why, like going back to what we were talking about, why is this not the best turtles movie of all time? Uh, When they try to shoehorn in some of those things, it largely falls flat on its face.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um I don't want to repeat. Um, so I'm just gonna say I agree with that portion because it's a hundred percent accurate.
0: Cool. Uh I, I don't really have any other bench points. I was looking through my notes here. I, I don't know where else to add this, so I'm just gonna say it now. This film surprised me with like how hard this score goes. Like this score is intense. <laughs> uh and I actually kinda like it, but yeah, it starts the the movie starts in the Paramount logos coming up, and the stars are like, "Oh yeah, this this totally seems like a Transformers movie with the score." Um, but then the things it does, I actually really liked. But I was constantly surprised. Like, man, this score is intense. Uh, I'm just saying that now because I don't know where else to say it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I actually, you know, I I will save everything for the next you know review of Out of the Shadows, but. I think when you watch these movies like I did back to back or we're going to watch them in relatively um, a short time span to you know, talk about the second movie, uh, the soundtrack to this one sounds much more original than what you get in Out of the Shadows. It almost is a carbon copy um, of another movie. So it, I really actually noticed it on this uh, watch through and watching these back to back. Well, there you go. I'm I'm excited to watch out of the shadows now. Uh,
1: do either of you have any bench points before before we move on? Real quick, uh, did you know that at the 35th Golden Raspberry Awards, this film was nominated for worst picture, worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel, worst director, worst screenplay and worst supporting actress for Megan Fox, which she actually won the Golden Raspberry for that. Um, and I'd I have to go back and look at everything that was released this year or that the year that this came out. That seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? Am I am I, I feel- was was 2015 just all bangers?
2: Uh I feel like that's blind hate for Michael Bay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: You know, Michael Bay, say what you want about him and there's a lot of things you can say about him. Um there's times though where it's just not warranted like he's got a film on Netflix right now with Ryan Reynolds called Six Underground where they they make the most Michael Bay possible movie ever, and it's actually really, really good. I can't recommend that movie enough it's It's got crazy good action scenes, and it just reminds you that sometimes like this guy actually does do a great job with certain things he does
2: yeah i I think he does have some. Actually, really good films. I think The Island is one of them. I think Pain Again is one of them. Um, I have a soft spot for the Bad Boys movies. I think those are actually pretty good. Um, yeah. Even though he, he didn't do the third one, but the first two. Um, but yeah, I, I think all of those nominations are just, I think they're blind hate because I I know we could go back and look at all the movies that were made in 2014 and look at some of those categories. And I'm sure there are things that should be up there way before this movie. I agree. And, and on the note of it,
0: this being a Michael Bay production, the, I think there's one explosion. No, no, there's two, there's, there's two <laughs> explosions and they're both no, done. In in I don't a, think uh, <laughs> they are done in an actually uh, useful way. Uh, so I appreciate the restraint. Um, one other Bench point that I had here that I think is totally interesting within two weeks of the film's release in the United States, it was given the green light for a sequel. And I'm just so intrigued. Like what type of box office I'm trying to pull a box office mojo right here. Did this film have to get that in, in two weeks, like that's a short amount of time. Uh, so let me pull it up here super quick. I mean, maybe I don't know. It's two weeks. That
2: just seems really fast. No, I think too, I, it had a pretty good opening weekend. I think it was, geez, I, I want to say something like 60 million or something like that. Like I thought it had actually like a really good opening. Oh yeah. Um, 65 million. You were close. Yeah. You know, a, a pretty good opening, especially back for 2014, especially like the month that it came out. Um So I think they were just kind of surprised at like, oh, because I think it was projected. Again, like if I remember, if we Googled all this information, I think it was only projected to do like 25 to 30 million opening weekend. And boom, it hits for 65 million. um, You know, did pretty good. He had some pretty good legs with it. um, So and it didn't have a crazy, crazy budget. So it was like, yeah, we could definitely make a sequel out of this oh yeah the
0: 125 million dollar budget opening weekend was 65 million uh so within two weeks they're more already more than halfway to their budget with a worldwide gross of almost 500 million so yeah i guess it's not as crazy as i thought which to my surprise wow this movie did really good in it's opening like way better than i thought it did uh which i'm happy because as you can tell i I have a soft spot for this movie uh so if there's no other bench points let's move on to the the last two segments here so least and likes this is our least favorite scene favorite scene who wants to go first with their least favorite scene any volunteers or i'll, I'll pick on someone
1: i'll go ahead um so least favorite scene um there's there's a couple of scenes that we've talked about that really don't work one we haven't had a chance to really get into and it's really right towards the beginning and i think for me this sort of set the tone for how the rest of the film was going to be written and it's the scene in the newsroom and april shows up and in, in, if you describe this scene in generalizations without actually giving specifics, you realize how many hundreds of times you've seen this in films, comics, TV shows, uh, video games. The person has a crazy experience, shows up, tells other people about crazy experience. They doubt her. Uh, she is insistent of this crazy thing that she has witnessed or been a part of. And they laugh and they make fun of her only to then be proven right later on like we've seen this 100 million times and and they didn't even bother to try to do anything new with it they waste whoopi goldberg as kind of more of a cameo like she's in the film a couple times but it, i mean it was basically like one day's worth of shooting they probably got it all done in and they kind of wasted using her um there's probably other scenes in the in the film that are actually worse than this but for me i, I want to highlight this one is is one that just right out of the gate you went you, you couldn't have cleaned this up any better. You couldn't have given us at least something new uh, out of this scene. Ditto. 100% took the words right out of my mouth.
0: Matt, do you have a different one?
2: Yeah. Um, I think the end fight with Shredder is actually really bad. Um, not in terms of... I think when you actually like watch when they're fighting, um, there's actually some pretty good stuff there but the whole way that they take him down so to speak um you know when they first kick him off the building is pretty terrible cuz it's it's a callback to like the very beginning of the movie which kind of no, to me fuck, means fuck. yeah which means nothing um and then uh, again because hey let's make her important in the movie um first of all the turtles are like supposed to be these super strong you know, creatures, her arm would have been ripped out of the socket while she's hanging from <laughs> that. Same thought. You know, her arm would be ripped out, but it's like swing me to Shredder, and she kicks Shredder off of the beam. Um, I just thought that whole like last part was just so bad. Um, I, I really did not enjoy it at all. Um. Because again, like it's supposed to be Shredder, and I know that up until that point I wasn't really impressed with him, but you could have at least had that last fight with the Turtles be good. I would agree with you. There are definitely parts about that scene that I like. Like the
0: action I think is actually really well made. I love the fluidity of this action, uh, that it being mostly CGI really lends. But Outside of that, it's like yeah, that that end scene is really weak. Um, so with that, let's move on to our favorite scene. I have a clear favorite for this movie, so I'm going to go last. Uh, Matt, we'll just go back in re- in reverse
2: order. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it would be easy to say I think the the mountain scene uh, with the avalanche and everything. I actually think that um is really well done. And the trailer with I was actually disappointed. In the music choice that they use for that, because if you watch the trailer, they have a certain uh song that they played during that scene, which I thought fit it really well. But um, it would be easy for me to pick that scene. However, I love the scene where Shredder infiltrates the lair, not because of the fight, but because of what we talked about earlier, and it shows the dynamic of this family where you know Splinter cares about. You know, even April, we talked about, like, why does she have to be connected in that way? But he cares about her because he knows that she rescued them. He cares about getting those guys out because they're his sons. But then as he locks them out, the turtles are not going to have that. They need to get back to their father. They're worried about him. They, you know, find the strength to lift up the sewer grate and go back to try to rescue him. Um I think that scene's actually really well done because, again, it just it encompasses the dynamic of why I think this movie is actually good and, again, my just surprise at how the turtles were written to seem like they actually are four brothers.
1: Real quick, fa- all-time father-son dynamics in movies. Uh, Splinter and the turtles, like, up there, right? Like, like oh, yeah. when you think of the, the most important, most powerful... Um, most compelling father son relationships that you can think of in movies, just uh, across all the movies we've seen. Um, Splinter with the Turtles is, for me, it's right up there. Like, I'm thinking like Simba and Mufasa. Like, that's, that's like one of the other ones that jumps right out at me, like, you know, that it, that it matters and, and is, is powerful and you can feel the love there. Because um, usually, for whatever reason on screen, a lot of times dads are, not really perceived real well or, or or portrayed real well for I don't know why that is but um yeah it's just like it it just really struck me
2: if you've ever seen the mist with thomas jane he's the worst father ever <laughs> <laughs> oh wow so, oh wow
1: yeah yep but uh, yeah yeah so favorite scene um you know, it's funny. You, you both talked about that elevator scene. I mean, it's short, it's silly. It's just so much fun. Like Mikey starts doing his thing. And at any minute I'm expecting Raffert Leo to like yell at him to stop. And then, you know, they eventually, they just all sort of uh, jump in. And it's, it's funny. Like I, I specifically made a note about how much I enjoyed that. And I just sort of thought it's almost like a throwaway scene, but it's, it's really, it, it, it's, it just works really well. I mean, both you guys had talked about it. I actually want to talk about the scene where they're in punishment. Um, having to balance and train this whole time. I mean, we've seen that in in other movies, splitter makes them do backflips for punishment and things like that, you know? And and I think this was sort of a a natural extension of that. When you've got a little more ability, because the RCG, you can actually do some stuff that you can't do when you've got guys in rubber suits, Um, which by the way, I'd seen something a long time ago that like, there's, if you have anthropomorphic turtles, there's actually no way they could do ninjutsu because the weight of their shells just completely throws the balance off. Like they can't they couldn't flip. <laughs> they couldn't jump. They couldn't do any of this. So if you were looking for me to ruin something, boom, there it is. I've got you. Um, uh, I wasn't going to let you down, Harrison. Um, but uh, no, the the scene where they're getting punished, like it's just. um it's it's just actually a lot of fun, you know. The the they're not going to be the first one to break. You know, they're going to keep holding it out, and and somebody else has to break first. And um, I just thought it was I thought it was a fun scene, and I really enjoyed it.
0: I would agree with both of the scenes that you mentioned. The one that I have to pick, though, I wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't. Is the scene that, that Matt mentioned on the mountain in the snow? I have probably watched that scene, not the movie, but just that scene, over a hundred times. I, I there is something about that scene that just just, I love, I, I love the fluidity of the action. I love that the turtles are sliding on their shells. I love the way that the turtles are learning to work together while also being totally independent. I love the slow-mo that just makes no sense that Mikey flips a car with his bow staff. Like, how does that work? I don't know. How did his bow staff not just explode? But th- th- that's great. Uh, the, the the way that they slide underneath the the. The truck, you like that GoPro shot on Donnie right before he slingshots Raph. I, I just love it, the way it ends. Mikey's like, oh, no, they were so young. And then Raph just slides by. They're not dead yet, and I'm nuts. Not... <laughs> like, that, that scene, from the moment the truck starts to tip over backwards, it is a scene that is one of my favorites in movie history. And I, I can't particularly explain why, but there's something about it that I just love. Uh, and it ex- inspires me to make fun, engaging, but also kind of ridiculous action that you watch and you're like, yeah, that was fun. And everybody has a good time with it. I, I love that scene. I- I'm probably going to watch it again after this. I'm also going to watch the trailer for what Matt mentioned and-, and see what song choice that was. And I'm very intrigued. So, yeah. But I agree with you. The scenes you mentioned, the, the-, the strongest parts of this movie are the scenes with the turtles, uh, like we talked about earlier. So... Before we get into the last segment, Fall In, where we talk about the themes, the messages, uh, takeaways from the film, let's reveal the rotten by each giving our rating out of five reels. Uh, I will go first because I think that mine is an easy pass. Uh, I give it a solid four out of five reels. Uh, that Obviously, we've talked about the parts that are weak in the story in, in some of the characters, particularly the human characters, April O'Neil trying to be more important than, than, than she should be. But it is so easy for me to forget about those. Uh, I I put a note down when watching this movie that is like, oh, wow, I really just remembered the fun parts and the good parts. And revisiting it reminded me that, oh, yeah, there's other parts of this movie that aren't as good. But I'm going to keep on remembering just the good and fun parts because it's so easy for me to enjoy this movie. Uh, I really would never say no to watching it. So, yeah, four four out of five reels for me. Uh, Matt, will you go next?
2: Yeah, uh, I would rate this, uh, and I do rate this at three and a half reels. So it's wow. it's it's fun. Um, again, there's some logical there's some logical gaps um, in this movie, but at the end of the day, I, I just I, I have fun with it. I don't need it to be, you know, art for me to enjoy the movie. If I at the end of it, I say I had a good time. That's what's important to me. Um, I can, I have a hundred other movies that I can watch to say, oh my God, that story was so great. The dialogue was fantastic. Uh, sometimes I just want to have a good time and, you know, shove popcorn or, as I did watching this one, eat Doritos. So that's, uh, <laughs> I give this three and a half. All right, Rob, it closes out here
1: yeah so uh before i get to to my rating um matt's your rating is a little lower than i was expecting it to be i'm 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 surprised um but you know i think yeah um i think you know to piggyback off of what matt was saying there's there's times in your life where you're hungry for a well-crafted steak and a Beautiful potato, just completely done up. Sometimes that's what you really want to eat. That doesn't mean you don't also like some KFC that you're just going to mow down. You know, you know it's not any good, but you're still going to eat it because you enjoy it. Um, this movie is not a well-crafted steak. It's it's not even close. Um, but it's still a ton of fun to eat. It's still a ton of fun to consume. Uh, I've, I've got it at three point seven five um so matt is actually the lowest which (laughs) surprised me (laughs) it shocked me from the moment we started talking about this i was uh, just assuming i was going to be the lowest i mean i just knew it in my heart of hearts that i would be the lowest um but it's when when the turtle dynamic is as fun as it is you just overlook how much else doesn't work um you kind of you overlook the fact that they, they Try to make this more about April than it needs to be. You overlook how bad Shredder is. You overlook how much of that last scene really actually doesn't work. You overlook the logistics and plot holes and things like that. And you and you just have fun with the fact that Raph was sliding down a hill and called Mikey numb Like it's it, it just you overlook all that stuff because how well that one thing does work. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I got so many things to say. First.
0: Matt's what, just barely his reaction, might forever be in like the Hall of Fame of the basement bench. There, there's a few episodes, particular moments that I like are frozen in my brain from recording, and that is now going to be one of them. That was so funny. Uh, second, uh, man, I was so close. I When I was guessing, when we were rummaging for the run, I thought you know what? I think both of them are going to be at 3.5 and one of them is going to slightly be above the other. So I'm going to guess a tie. Oh, and I just, I was so close. Uh, but, but, but I got to comment on what you said, Rod, uh, you know, com- making a comparison to a well-groomed steak. One of the things I say frequently when I talk about uh, movie rating is that you're never going to hear me complain that McDonald's doesn't taste like home cooking. I- and I will totally go to McDonald's way more than I should. Um, so I this is this is yes, it does have shortcomings, but for what it needs to be, it does really well, and that's beef fun with the turtles. Uh, but I I am shocked with Matt that you like this as much as you did. I was I, I when I was guessing at three point five, I was like, if I'm lucky, it's a three point five. Rob might come around and give us like a two, but wow, I, I picked a good one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Listen, I'm. I, like I am, what You want to like? I am surprised, but Harrison, that's I. I that's so funny for the McDonald's thing because I was just thinking the best parts of this movie are when you get hot fries through the drive-through at McDonald's, and the worst parts are when it's the cold fries, and you're like, I don't even want them anymore.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well said. Well said.
4: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.
0: Um so with our, our rotten's revealed and Matt being the rotten at a three and a half, uh let's move on to the last segment here, Fall In. This should be a kind of brief one, but one that I do think really does belong here. We've talked about how the idea of brotherhood between the turtles works really well. And I gotta say something that I was shocked and I kind of felt embarrassed when I was watching the movie with my wife. The ending scene where Raph is like uh pronouncing and, and admitting that he loves his brothers and, and you know, thinking they're going to die. I started to cry and get emotional. And maybe I'm just crying a lot more lately. I don't know, but I was like, Oh, why, why am I crying? And I will say it really bothers me that that sincerity is immediately undercut by a joke, like way faster than it should be. I understand a joke. I'm fine with that, but it, it it's so immediate that it really ruins it, which is a bummer because that moment is so sincere. And the strongest part of this movie is the turtles relationship and their difficult brotherhood and to have that all lead up to this moment where the most independent brother pronounces and professes his love and acceptance for them. And I I really feel it. And it's really amazing how it works so well to that. Um, You know, as cheesy as it is, the the theme of you got, you're stronger together than you ever were alone. How many times has that been done? But if there's something about it being done this time with these characters that works really well for me.
1: Yeah. These guys um, have their specialties. Um, you know, they're, you know, the, each guy kind of has his own place. Each guy has his own, you know, he, a technician, you know, they're, they're a technician in their own way. Um, they're a specialist in their own way. Um, and if they try to do it, you know, by themselves, yes, you're right. We, we have seen this, but for whatever reason, and I just think it's probably because we've lived with these characters now for 30 years. Um, it just it hits harder, it lands better um when it's done well with these characters than when it's done with, with Dom and, and his
2: crew. <laughs> it's all about family. It's all about family. But yeah, Harrison, I just I wanna jump on that uh that scene that you talked about because when I first saw it, it you know, really I was like, oh, like this is really good. And then like, the more I watch it, I I start to, like, get more and more upset the more times I've seen this with that scene because of the fact that, like, it is undercut so quickly. And the weight not just that it's undercut so quickly, it's, there are, there are, what, 30, 40, 50, I, I don't know, 60 feet up in the air as that thing is falling. And how did it just all of a sudden land on the ground? Like and,
0: and how did Roth not know that they were landed? Like, didn't he feel the big thud on the ground? Right. Like, it wasn't a graceful thing.
2: Yeah, it, it's just so weird. So, you know, when I think about the fact that it was, like, undercut by a joke, and then I'm just like, how did they actually land 100% safe from where they were? Um, that scene just, like, it loses more and more appeal. But uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this is so good. Um But again, just like, you know, for the namesake of this segment, it really is just, and sometimes I think with us doing some of these episodes now and some of the things that happen in these movies, it's a lot more relatable because there's certain things that have happened. There's people that I have become friends with. um, You know, Rob and I, you know, met because of work and have become friends but you know Harrison we've mentioned this several times um you myself and Rob have never met ever um you know and we've developed a friendship where we don't just jump on the podcast we'll you know text each other and see what's going on and say hello and you know it's yeah I I find it unique that something like that can happen strictly over movies um that you can develop a friendship and you can say like geez i i hope you know harrison's doing okay i hope rob's doing okay like you know i wonder you know i wonder what's going on like hey what have you guys been up to before we even talk about a movie um so i I think when we do some of these things some of these messages at least for me just you know they hit a little bit harder because i've seen firsthand how you know, even though people are individuals, how much closer we we are than sometimes we're, you know, led to believe. Very well said. I, I I couldn't have said it better.
0: It's particularly in the idea of the three of us forming this friendship. People, you know, when you go to parties or you catch up with siblings or whatever, they know that I'm doing the podcast and they always ask very nicely, how's the podcast going? Uh, and for a while, my response was like, oh, it's going or whatever, like something stupid. Uh, and now the first thing I always bring up with them is like, it is so cool if, because of the podcast I've connected to this guy, Matt, who has a podcast in New York. And now I know his friend, Rob, and we record podcasts together frequently. And like, I've developed a genuine friendship where I text these people, we have a group chat and and I make a joke that's like, I get to talk to them about all the things that my wife doesn't want to listen to about movies. And it's 90% true. Uh, but it, it's tr- It's awesome to have this. And the funny thing is, as you say this, I, I meant to say this before we started recording and I forgot I, I got a library card recently because my sister started working at the library and I've checked out nothing but comics because the two of you have talked about comics so much and in, in episodes that we've done together and and I've wanted to like... Particularly I just read the the old man Logan comic and I was like so excited, like, old man Robin, tell me about this. I gotta read this. And I was so excited when my library had that. And it's just it's great to find those bonds with people. You know, whether you're giant turtles who also happen to be ninjas, or whether you're people sitting down and recording an episode miles and miles apart about these said ninjas. it's great to find people where you feel like you have some partnership and some belonging and, and some commonality that that really works and and you, and you jive together, um, which is sweet, sweet to have that. And I'm glad that, you, that I'm not, I'm not the only one feeling this between the three of us. I've just, man, these guys are the best. And you two are like, Oh, Harrison, can we just get off this episode? <laughs>
1: it's just like, yeah, I got a, I got a seven o'clock I got to get to, you know, I got to get my next uh, zoom meeting to get through. Um, you know, I'd said this before, uh, I think it was the first time I was on your show that, you know, that's the power of movies. If you're ever in a new group of people and you're trying to see who you're going to be friends with, or, or you're in a situation where, you know, you're in a new work environment or something like that. And, and you're trying to, as an adult, um, you know, just form new relationships. One of the simplest things to do is just start talking about movies and, and you're going to start finding people's passions about things. And all of a sudden, bang, you realize you've got more in common with so many people than you realize it. I, I think in our in our very, very polarized world that we live in where it's either us or them. And uh, all of a sudden you realize there's a whole lot more us and and not a whole lot of them when you really get right down to it, no matter how much people want to divide us. And and movies are one of those things that there are people who are uh, way, way over on this side and way, way over on that side that like the same movies. It's amazing um, if we would only recognize that more.
2: Yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Rob's first ever question to me I've said this before um, I mean his first statement to me was you know hello thanks for you know coming in um, <laughs> but it, during a job interview Rob's first real sentence to me was so what kind of movies you you into Marvel like that was one of the first dialogues that Rob and I had during a job interview I, I hey, Matt got this. hired because he, he didn't
1: tell <laughs> yeah. me he liked The Last Jedi he he, he liked the last Jedi. I would have been like, all right, well, thanks for your time. We'll call you.
2: Thank, thank God. That was, you know, three years into the future. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah.
0: The thing is, I love stuff like this too. And you know, just to, like you said earlier, Matt, to continue with the namesake of this segment, trying to find a theme in all this. I, I think it was splinter who said you're stronger together than you ever were alone or something like that. And like genuinely, in a real life application of that, in the idea of the three of us doing a podcast together, I don't, I can't speak for you, Matt, but it's amazing to see how I have been more successful in doing this podcast since doing it more frequently with the two of you. Now, do I do every episode with you? No, there's still things I do on my own and that's the way life works. But, and I'm talking from like a downloads and, you know, recognition standpoint on the, the interwebs that we send this audio out on to, but also just like personally in my commitment to get episodes done and, and to to be involved in something that I do have a strong desire for, but there's something of like a, 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 a synergy, a, a network that really is worthwhile in life, whether it's in a, you know, hobbyist type thing like this podcast or whether it's at work or whether it's at home or, or wherever you find yourself, having a network of people to to promote your continued success of it is really an incredible thing that I've seen the difference of realist, genuinely in my life since doing this more with the two of you.
2: Yeah no I mean I totally agree with that you know the the episodes that we've done together the ones that you know Rob and I have done the three of us have done you and I have done um and like I said even Rob uh being with his brother um and listening to the the Fight Club episode and just listening to The Goodfellas one you know I said earlier Fight Club's cracked the top 10 already uh for downloads like people have enjoyed that and i think I, I mentioned this when i talked about listening to your dune review harrison is you know sometimes yeah i'm excited to talk about something on my own but you know the the passion and the energy doesn't always come out the same when i'm just bouncing ideas off of somebody or you know hearing somebody else's thoughts in the moment and being able to react to it um You know, I I said this about your Dune review, and I think maybe this is why the Fight Club episode is doing so well, and people are talking about it is because, like, there was a genuine passion and excitement that I got from both of you listening to those reviews and how much, like, that Dune event meant to you, Harrison, and how forward you're looking to that movie, and then Rob about how Fight Club has, you know, always been something that you've thought about since the first time that you saw it and you just continue to, you know, think about things in that movie. Um, It's it's fun to be able to have that passion and that desire just bounce off of other people.
0: I I completely agree. And you know, the thing is, we can sit here and have this really you know, big minded conversation. And, and ultimately we were just talking about movies like entertainment and I love entertainment as much as the next guy. It, it, it's just great to have things that, that bring uh joy and excitement and, and uh, yeah, joy and excitement to your life is really worthwhile. And it's great to have people who promote that in your life because life can be a drab sometimes. And I made a joke earlier how I talked to the two of you about the things that my wife doesn't want to hear. And I'm joking, you know, because my wife is, she'd listen to me about anything, but but it is true to have like s- people who have your same mindset to share with you and, and to allow that like passion and excitement to not just be like, Meh, because <laughs> someone's not interested. Uh, so I'm I'm really, I'm just totally floored that this is something that, when I started this podcast, uh, m- one of my coworkers just mentioned that they were listening to my Spider Verse episode, which is the literally the first episode I ever recorded with Kate and Kelton. We were in my backyard, the sprinklers turned on, there were birds chirping. It was horrible, <laughs> uh, a horrible, horrible episode. I went and re-listened to it to feel how horrible it was, and and I got back into that mindset of me way back then, way back in 2019 because I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary of The Basement bench. Way back in 2019, I never imagined that I'd be sitting down in my basement uh, recording an episode with two dudes from New York. But it's a reality, and it's just amazing that that's the thing uh, that's in life, and I'm just grateful for it. And we have movies to thank for it. Very well. Great conclusion, Rob. <laughs> Tying that up with a great bow. So so I don't mess up what Rob just tied up. I'm going to give Matt and Rob one last chance to talk about Matt Goes to the Movies, because. As you can tell, I really enjoy what the two of them have to say about movies. If you enjoy movies, I promise you will enjoy hearing what they have to say about movies. Um, So yeah, Matt and Rob, you want to give us a uh, Rob, you can go first again, just a real kind of sum up, uh, you know, another plug for Matt goes to the movies.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, Matt's got plenty of great content on his channel, lots of solo episodes and and plenty that I've been on. Uh, Like I said, we have uh, the two episodes that my brother and I have done together and we're probably thinking about maybe like once a month we'll be able to get something like that together but uh certainly uh would love to have anybody listen in you can email the show podcast at gmail.com it's just the initials for matt goes to the movies podcast at gmail.com um hit the show up on social media there's uh, facebook instagram tiktok um matt do you have a, a, an only fans account
2: for the show or just your personal i, I do you have one for the show yet uh, just personal, uh, I'm working on some more bicep curls before I get one for the show.
1: <laughs> but yeah, if, uh, if anybody's a fan of this show, uh, certainly Harrison's been, been nice enough to jump on a lot of the episodes over on that channel. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun, uh, when all three of us have been together and it's been fun for me to listen, uh, to the episodes that I haven't been able to be a part of. Cause there's, there's plenty of great content.
2: Yeah, I, um, you know, second all of that, it's it's been a blast. You know, Harrison and I just did iRobot together, which was a ton of fun. It was like a year in the making to get that episode done. Um, <laughs> we joked during that episode that that was uh, originally supposed to be the first collaboration we ever did together. Was uh, supposed to be iRobot, but as life sometimes does, um, that one didn't happen. We ended up doing Bumblebee, which was a lot of fun. Um, But it was fun to come back to that original episode that we were first going to do together and talk about iRobot. I mentioned earlier I'm going to be doing one on The Breakfast Club. I will be getting my Tom Cruise marathon up and running uh, hopefully this week. But I will say that, Rob, you had better absolutely destroy Out of the Shadows, because I, I don't know if I can take two episodes of you liking a movie. Um, it's, th- it's, it's throwing off the whole dynamic.
0: <laughs> Rob, you have a reputation.
1: Oh. we got to keep it. Oh, we got a lot to live up to. Alright, I'll, I'll see if I can destroy it properly.
0: Uh, well, I really do appreciate the two of you being here. It's a blast. Genuinely, I just enjoy it. It's a great time, but I also appreciate you and the help in producing a great episode. If you are looking, if you've clicked in the show notes and headed over to Matt Goes to the Movies and you're looking for a great episode to check out, uh, obviously the ones that they mentioned, you know, The Fight Club and the new one on Goodfellas and iRobot, I would definitely recommend those. But two that I particularly love, or it's actually more than two, uh, but the episodes on Justice League, Batman v Superman, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and then Mortal Kombat, uh, those are movies that if I'm being honest, I don't particularly have a large interest in, but there is something about the conversation and Matt, that Matt and Rob have that kept me completely engaged, even though I couldn't even rub two thoughts together about those films because one of them I haven't even seen. Uh, So if you were, if you like listening to people talk about movies like this episode, I would recommend those. Those are great. Um, Here at The Basement Binge, brief announcement. Next week, like Matt just talked about, we're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadow, the sequels. And then hopefully after that, the La La Land episode will come. Sorry for the delay, but hopefully that episode is worth the wait. Thank you so much for listening to The Basement Binge, for downloading all of you, whether you're new, returning. I appreciate all of you so much. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, wherever they're available. But once again, my name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge, and that is all for now. Ciao, ciao.